Hey guys and welcome to another episode of Tea Talks with Guru, where you get to listen to some pretty good book reviews while also learning more about one of the most famous beverages in the world, tea. I'm your host, Ex Guru, and today's book is a lovely classical rendition of a sapphic vampire love story, Carmel and Laura by S.D. Simper. So first, let's get into our tea of the day. It's another Korean green tea, um, well, the green, technically. Junjak. Junjak is the third harvest of the season for Korean green teas and is called medium sparrow's beak for the size of the tea leaves. And I want to clear up that Sejak, which was in a previous episode, would be the first harvest of green tea, not the actual name of the tea. Uh, and, most, and a fun fact is that most Korean teas are steamed. And Junjak may have an umami uh, slash vegetable on a on the tune. No clue how that would taste, but it sounds really interesting. Kind of like having a tea version of soy sauce, maybe? I don't know. But I would definitely try it. So now on to our book. This gothic retelling starts off with a professor, Hesselius, reading this 600-year-old journal in the LAX airport, right? And then we go into this journal that the professor is reading from this um young woman, Laura. She begins having strange dreams of this vampire woman, and she wakes up in fits of fright that make her governess, Mademoiselle de la Fontaine, and her father worry. So they enlist the help of a doctor to come check in on Laura, as well as a priest to bless her and kind of like um, assuage any anxiety that she might feel from the situation. However, those nightmares or those dreams kind of fade into the background as a young woman and a little girl end up stranded near Laura's, Laura father, Laura's father's estate. So as this uh, noble woman, because she's clearly of some standing, she kind of just laments her faith, and Laura's father um, seizes the opportunity to offer to house her daughter while this woman conducts her business. So the woman is making it clear that it'll take her, like, average three months to come back and collect her daughter, and Laura's father's like, sure, that's no problem. Now, this news that she'll be having someone closer to her age with her at all times really overjoys Laura, especially since um, her new governess that was supposed to come, Mademoiselle Renfield, uh, had died and she had only um, heard that news prior. So now the woman leaves her daughter, who is a bit um, thin, a bit pale, kind of sickly, Carmilla. And she, Camilla, she is unable to go out much during daylight hours. And before leaving, her mother gave strict instructions to Laura and her father that they shouldn't ask anything of her past or Camilla's past or um ask her any questions about her family or anything like that. So this leads to an interesting dynamic between both young women as Laura is obviously quite curious about her new friend but she can't act on that curiosity whereas Camilla is very inquisitive and she asks questions about everything from the castle to the tapestries to questions about Laura's father to questions about Laura herself so it kind I guess it kind of uh that it kind of needles Laura that she can't act on her curiosity as much, but it's she definitely um doesn't mind, especially since she got someone who she can play with and talk to because 
um, aside from her governesses, it was only Laura, and it was quite lonely for her in her childhood. Her mom had died, and it was just her dad. So it was quite lonely for Laura growing up. And you get to see this dynamic. The girls become really good friends, and they're very, very close. Uh, one day, um, they all go to this uh, part of the estate that's a little far from the main castle, and they're cleaning out the attic, I believe. Yes, they're cleaning out the attic, and there they find all these um, memorabilia, and all these different um, heirlooms from Laura's Laura's um, family from her father's side and there she stumbles upon this portrait of this woman who looks nearly identical to Camilla and throughout all this time during Camilla's stay uh, some of her some of the servants under her father's care kind of pass away mysteriously like they'd be very they'd be very very healthy and then suddenly they'd die so there was a bit of a plague scare but around this time i believe laura accidentally found out that the woman in the picture wasn't just a likeness of camilla it was actually camilla and camilla goes on to explain um what had happened i think she had died in childbirth or something similar and her husband had not honored her as he should have so it um gave the opening for the woman who was traveling with camilla is actually her sire so she became a vampire from that woman so i don't think um camilla was i think camilla rose and her sire was there and then they just began traveling together but Camilla's husband was really truly he, he was like horrible I remember that he was horrible so and I think I do believe she ended up getting her revenge I like to think so but yes yeah, so that's when Laura realizes who Camilla is but she can't reconcile the visage of a bloodthirsty monster with her friend. She eventually comes back and I think it's from there they start their romance at some point. And it was really heartwarming to see how comfortable they were in each other's company. And just how much joy they got out of um, knowing each other. So I do think, however, it was a little weird seeing as um Kamala was like at some point distantly related into her family but this is um a gothic novel and it's set in victorian times so what is a bit of incest really uh but technically it's not because they aren't blood related so it's all only technicality i guess but it was a really cute story um and at the end it was where the church people came and they uh they did burn um Camilla for being this devil creature and they thought that Camilla had like um compelled Laura to love her and to see her as a friend or whatnot. At this point the men aren't aware that they were in a romantic relationship. They just think they're really good friends, like sisters or something. And then 
uh, the woman who's tired and who like looked after Carmilla came and then she was like would you she I believe she um asked if uh, Laura had loved her daughter and if she would do anything for her or whatnot and Laura said she would write before she leapt into the flames with Carmilla. Now Carmilla would have survived because she's a vampire um but you actually see after Laura's father thinks that he has lost his daughter or whatnot, unaware that she has chosen to fled because she has also become a devil creature like Camilla. And the woman who see who saw Camilla as her daughter, she goes on to slaughter all the um church people for what they did, um, for daring to try and kill Camilla. And she ensures that Laura knows as a final act of kindness. She um ensured that her father would be well away from that carnage when it occurred. So then I believe the journal ends somewhere there. And, <coughs> sorry. and then you see uh, this professor, Esselias. She closes the journal. She thinks it's very fanciful, um, maybe the result of a noble lady with maybe a little drug indulgence from time to time or a very fanciful imagination. And then she looks up. Um, I believe it ends off somewhere where one of them um, was in a... One of them had to sit down a lot. The other had to carry them a lot or something. So, But I do know that she glanced up um, in the airport and she sees... These two uh, women who are also lovers but based on their body language. One of them's in a wheelchair and one of them um, isn't. She's really tall. And based on the descriptors, you can tell. You can tell that um, it's too similar to the descriptions in the journal she just read to not be anyone other than Camilla and Laura. And... It kind of, she, she kind of, like, furrows her brows and, like, wait, didn't I? But then she brushes it off because there's no way that a pair of, a pair of love, um, lovers from 600 plus years ago would be here in the modern day. So, I thought that was a really cool link up. Um, this rendition was really cool. No, I, I haven't read the classic, the, um, original classic, but... Perhaps I'd enjoy it, who knows. I have a I'll add it to my evergreen TBR list. But this was a really cute read. It was really short, it was really enjoyable. Um I usually don't go for classics, honestly. But I'd say you can give this one a go. It's short, it's sweet, and it was really like a fun it was really a fun read. So that's it from me on my end, as always. You can find this episode and others on the Acast platform, which distributes to Apple Podcasts, Samsung Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And if you feel so obliged, give me a follow at Talks with Kudo. Till next time, guys. Bye.